my, my younger son is named Nathan, and he's eight and a half, and he runs cross-country, which is really pretty amazing. I love it. I got to tell you, as a parent, I like cross-country season better than track season. Because in track season, it's okay. We go to Royal High School, and we watch them kind of run around on the track, and uh, the track meets are a lot longer. In cross-country, though, we go to beautiful parks. I get to sit outside and enjoy being in nature a little bit more, and the meets are a lot shorter, I'll tell you that too. Uh, Well, this last Thursday, I went with Nathan. So just a few days ago, I went with Nathan. We went to Challenger Park. If you don't know it, Challenger Park is up First Street uh, as it becomes Long Canyon, and it heads up that way on the west side of town. It's a, a more rustic kind of park, and so... I drove in there and dropped him off, and the kids, the way that they do it, you know, they warm up a little bit, and then they head off to go run cross-country up in the hills. They, they take off for a while, so even these, you know, they run, I don't know, four miles, whatever. It's quite a, uh, an undertaking, but I thought, hey, I've got an hour, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm, I'm going to work for about an hour and, and sit in and get some stuff done, and I was going to get some work done on my phone. What I did not realize is that Challenger Park is in a pretty steep valley right there, and there is hardly any cell phone reception at Challenger Park. I could not work on my phone, and I was stuck without my phone working in this place for an hour. And something happened to me when I was there. I, I, I went and I, I sat on a rock, and I was looking at the trees, and the thing that happened to me during that time that doesn't, doesn't happen as often these days is I reflected like, I, I, I thought for myself for a little while. Like, I just had thoughts. I wasn't entertained. I, wasn't, I didn't have anything in my hand. I just sat there like, like some kind of psychopath looking around with nothing in my hand. Uh, so, at first, you know, that, that frustration that began when I thought, well, I, ha- I was expecting to do one thing, gave way to feeling like, wow, this is kind of meaningful. I wish I had more times like this. So, I... The, the problem is this little guy kind of gets in the way of that quite often. I have a phone in my hand a lot of times, and maybe you feel that way as well. It used to be that when you first woke up in the morning, you would maybe have a quiet time that you could reflect for yourself, or maybe even as you were falling asleep at night, uh, you would have that, or maybe even, you know, at least when you went to the bathroom, you had a little moment of peace, but now it's always there. But these days, we are always uh, informed or entertained or distracted pretty much every moment. And it feels like the only places that we can go to reflect, maybe, maybe if you're driving in your car and you're not listening to a podcast, or uh, maybe if you're doing gardening, you can have a moment of peace, or if you choose to tune your phone off while you're taking a walk, or really the one place I know I can reflect is in the shower nowadays. It's the one place, so far, if they come out with a fully waterproof phone, we are dead meat. <laughs> but we, the thing is, we need those kind of unhurried moments in our life to, to be able to have wandering thoughts, uh, to be able to ask some of the bigger questions of life, uh, uh, the direction of our life, and every, what is really supposed to be happening. Space in our world for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to us so we can hear God's word. But the problem is that that voice oftentimes gets drowned out by the information and the entertainment and the distraction. And increasingly, I think, without even really expecting to, we've started to expect that same kind of pace that we get from our phones from other things as well. We view everything through that same lens. So we see our relationships in that way. We want our relationships to give us something. 
Or is this relationship entertaining? Is it informative? Is it distracting? Do I want those things? And if they're not those things, then they start to feel like they're an interruption to the rest of our life or the life that we want. Or our faith. Our life with God can be viewed the same way. This, this God who created life itself, who is the, the source of all love, the author of salvation, this one true person, we can end up commodifying God and really judge our relationship with God or our, our expectation from church through the same lens without even necessarily thinking about it. We think, is this entertaining me? Is this informing me? Is this distracting me? And if it's not, then I can cast it aside as an interruption. This is not giving me what I want. Instead of seeing it in a different way of what am I bringing to this relationship? But, so, but faith is not supposed to be entertainment. It's not a distraction from life. We have to view our spirituality as a, as a, as a pattern of a life of faith that's going to combat that in some, in some way. And in the book of Ezekiel, Right near the beginning of the book, we're actually given an image that I hope is going to help stick with us, and it's going to give us a better view of what our spirituality could be. Because in a world of bite-sized snack information, our phone is always there inviting us to take a snack. We take a little bit here and a little bit there. But the book of Ezekiel is going to challenge us to make a meal of God's Word. To, to eat our fill, to chew on it, to digest it, to make it go all the way down so that it comes out of us in our daily lives. It becomes a part of us. So whether you are new to faith or whether you are returning to faith, if you have been a follower of Jesus for a long while, I want to say everybody who wants to actually grow spiritually, you are going to need to eat the Word. You need to eat the Word. Well, a little bit of background. We're going to be looking at Ezekiel 3. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you can open it up to Ezekiel 3. And we're going to read that in just a moment. You can know about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was supposed to be a priest, but he was a part of the group of people who were taken off into exile, into Babylon. There were, Babylon invaded his homeland, and they took away a bunch of people to exile. And if you were here last week, you know that the prophet Jeremiah actually wrote a letter to some of those people in exile. That would be somebody like Ezekiel who would have gotten that. And he, he told them, Jeremiah told them, you need to actively pray and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city, of the community where I have sent you. I have sent you there on purpose, and I want you to be an agent for this new created world, this new life in me there in that place, no matter whether you wanted to be there or not. Well, so Ezekiel is this guy. He's in the Babylonian Empire, and he's unable to fulfill his vocation as a priest because he's not at the temple in Jerusalem. But God ends up dramatically calling him to be a spokesperson for him. And if you read along with us, you, you probably, uh, it marked you some of the images that he had there. You'll remember this kind of wild and crazy vision that Ezekiel had, the wheel within the wheel and all that stuff. Um, and he, so he ends up seeing this vision of the glory of God, and he sees a vision of the throne that's holding up the glory of God. And I'm, I'm planning to hopefully get to that a bit more next week. But here in chapters 2 and 3, Ezekiel gets this call to be God's watchman, to speak and uh, speak out for him. It says this, The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. You know, Ezekiel has lots of images like this. He has very strong imagery where it's not just words that he says, but he acts out things throughout the book. And, he, and this is a particularly one that sticks out. It's a little bit funny. Eat this scroll. 
Then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said, and when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said, son of man, which is a designation, which means, it's, it literally means son of Adam, uh, that he is a, you are a human, human person, son of man. It's a title later on that Jesus will adopt for himself as well. He says, son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. I'm not sending you to a foreign people whose language you cannot understand. No, I'm not sending you to a people with strange and difficult speech. If I did, they would listen. <laughs> but the people of Israel won't listen to you any more than they listen to me. For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted and stubborn. I love this, by the way. If you are a stubborn person, maybe God is sending you to speak to more stubborn people. But look, I have made you as obstinate and hard-hearted as they are. Good news. I have made your forehead as hard as the hardest rock. So don't be afraid of them or fear their angry looks, even though they are rebels. Then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go to your people in exile and say to them, this is what the Lord, sovereign Lord says. Do this whenever, whether they listen to you or not. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word that you gave to your people. It was spoken specifically to these people in exile, but it has a lot of meaning for us as well today. Help us to understand through, across the years what is being said here and also to be able to receive it well to understand it and to make it come out in our lives. We ask your Holy Spirit to do, do his work in us. In Christ's name, amen. Our, our message series that we're in right now, we're doing a series where we're going kind of a, a whirlwind tour. We're taking a whirlwind tour through the books of the prophets, this middle part of your Bible, uh, and somewhat neglected part oftentimes of our Bible. And we are, are reading these books of the prophets, these people who were commissioned to be watchmen, to be people who looked out to see danger ahead and to warn the people about what was happening. That's primarily what they're doing. And we are going to be reading through the book of Ezekiel for the next few weeks. We have five more Sundays after this one and doing prophets, and we're going to go into our next series, which I'll tell you about afterwards. But, so this guy, Ezekiel, he does have lots of striking images as he goes through it, and he acts them out in funny ways. He's, you know, digs a hole in a wall at some point and climbs through, things like that. And here in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, God tells him in a vision, he says, you need to eat this scroll. So he offers him a scroll with the things that, that God is going to have him speak to the people, and he eats it. So God had this word for his people, and he wanted to deliver it through this guy, Ezekiel. And God has a word for you and for me and for our world as well. Ezekiel's vision of receiving this word, I think it's going to be a powerful illustration for us. Thinking about our relationship with God, our relationship with God's word, and how we can have a bit more reflective faith, even in a, a busy mobile world. We want to have a, a vibrant spiritual faith, and the problem is a lot of times we just end up kind of piecing it together on the fly. We kind of take it here and take it there, and that's, that's a, it's fine to start that way, but it's not going to be a good program for us to grow long term. If you want to grow, what you need to do, like Ezekiel, is you're going to need to eat the Word. And when we eat the Word, we're going to need to do three things. We're going to open wide and take it in. We're going to chew on it, and we're going to digest it. So let's start with open wide. So we need to fill our belly with God's word. Verse 2 says this, so I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. 
Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. So it begins with this, this posture of welcoming what God is giving us and saying to God, yes, yes, I will do what you want. I will receive what you are giving to me. And there's a certain amount of humility that's with that, to be able to say, yes, I'm going to let you, God, direct me in this, this relationship where we allow God to be the one to tell us and we receive from God. So if we, if we have that posture right, we're, we can ask, hey, are, are we getting any of this stuff in us at all? So we start with our posture, right posture, to receive, and then we can ask, is it actually getting in us? Because we can ask the question, are there times during the week where the Word is actually getting into our life? I, I hope that each week at worship, the, our intention is that we hear Scripture. We always are going to hear the Bible. Do not let me preach without having the Bible there. We have the Bible as part of it. Um, but that's one place that we're getting it. But um, we have that. And the reality is we could access Scripture really all throughout the week. We're pretty spoiled nowadays in our day and age, speaking the language that we speak, right? We could speak a language where there's no Bible translation for it, but there's tons of resources. There's access to Bibles. We have a Bible app, podcasts, YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. We're super spoiled, but uh, we don't always access that stuff. And I, even for me as a pastor, you might think it's pretty easy for Kurt to do that. It's literally his job. Uh, but the question is, hey, unless I also purposely choose to be reflective, to allow Scripture to come into my life, it's easy for me to actually treat the Bible like work, right? Like just something that I need to do. Instead, but I, I'm a disciple. I need God's Word to get in me. I, I can't be somebody who sees it as a sterile thing that's off to the side. It, there needs to be, it's easy for me to treat it still as information, I, I can listen to uh, more and more information along the way, like just driving in my car or something like that. I need to have times where I choose to listen to Scripture. And if I don't purposely choose that, I'm not going to, I won't be there. I have to choose it. And I've been blessed, actually, to be a part of a small group. It's one place in the rhythm of my week where I get filled and I'm allowed to discuss and think about Scripture in a way with some other people. It's been a wonderful uh, part of the rhythm of my life. And frankly, there's some positive peer pressure for me to read a little bit of the Bible and to think about it. It's good. But I think that we, we can recognize that, that if we're not getting the Word in us, maybe it's because we have a bad vision of what God is speaking through His Word. We see it as uh, maybe, maybe the God's word is a taskmaster that needs to be obeyed. And we, we think, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Is, it, it, is reading God's word, is it just a list of rules for us that don't have any application to our world today? Uh, is the Bible just something that's supposed to be nice and comforting and maybe I don't need that right now? Or is it a book that's supposed to be respected but not touched? Set it aside. I, I, I really love the Bible, but I, I don't know anything about it. But that's not the way that the psalmist sees it. The, the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 sees honoring God's word as a way to seek God with our, own, our whole heart. That actually getting to know God's word is the way to know God. Psalm 118 is the longest psalm in the Bible, and it's kind of a love song to God's law. Um, not law in the way of like rules, but law like God set you free from, from Egypt took them out and gave them his promises and his covenant and told them how he wanted them to live. He brought them out of slavery. But here's, uh, the psalmist actually is going to use a food metaphor. How sweet are your, wor your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. 
So the, the psalmist is seeing, hey, this is, this is something for me to taste. And he, he sings and tells this whole poem about how God's word is so wonderful for us. So hearing and reading God's word, it's already a win. That's what we want. We want to find some places, this rhythm of our life, weekly coming to worship, finding places where we can hear God's word. But Ezekiel isn't told only to taste God's word. He is told to fill his stomach. And in fact, the original Hebrew is actually, there's kind of a repetition that's in it that it kind of feels more emphatic to me. He says, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll. Feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll. So we need to fill our bellies. And I'm, I'm wondering if we are getting exposed to enough scripture that we can feel like we are actually filling our bellies. Are we getting that? I remember when my kids were little and they were in a high chair and we wanted them to eat, right? And they always, you know, you give them some food to eat. And there was food that was there. The food kind of went everywhere, right? The hair and the face and everything. And they, they were feeding themselves, but I would not say that that was the primary way that they were going to be able to get all of their food because there was food on them, not necessarily in them, right? Not enough to fill their belly. Uh, and it's super easy for us to feel like we have a week where we can kind of get some scripture on us, right? But we don't necessarily get it in us. So I don't want to just get scripture on me, like I'm taking a scripture shower or something. That's not what we need. I want it to sink in my heart. And for that, we're going to need to listen carefully. And that's the next step. So the next step, if we're going to open wide, the next thing we need to do is we need to chew on it. Here's the next verse. Then he added, son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. That's in verse 10. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Let the words sink deep into your own heart first. He's sending Ezekiel to go say something to people, but he says, I want you to understand this first. It needs to sink into your own heart first and listen to them carefully for yourself. So we need to remember that, hey, Ezekiel, he, he needs to allow himself to be transformed by this word. He can't be hypocritical and not apply it for himself. He needs to be kind of attentive to what God is saying. Another translation, it says, he says, Ezekiel, receive it into your heart and hear it with your ears. I can, and when I imagine somebody who's actually wanting to listen to something, what, what, is, what kind of posture do they have? Right? When somebody's trying to understand, they, they kind of lean in a little bit. They're, they're straining to hear and understand. Maybe they even ask a question. What, what, what did you mean by that? Help, help me to understand. Those, that's somebody who's trying to not only understand what you're saying, but to understand the meaning of it so they can apply it to their lives. In order to get into our hearts, the words are going to have to penetrate behind, beyond a simple reading of words. Because I read lots of words during the day. I, I read words, but I can keep them at a distance at times. I, I read words on my bills. <laughs> I read words uh, from, the, from the news. I, I read words. But this is something that's supposed to be brought in, to be treasured and understood. So when we think about reading our Bibles, we can ask ourselves the question, am I only reading it or am I eating it? Now, I got to say, we're, we're in this immersed thing where we're doing like reading through Scripture super fast, so it might feel a little bit 
like I'm saying two things at once. Like, hey, let's read really fast, but let's treasure it as well. It's a little bit hard uh, when we're doing this. We're doing so much reading all at once. But one of the ways that we could treasure the word or to chew on it would be, hey, even if you're reading through the book of Ezekiel rather quickly, is if you come across something that stands out to you, would be to pause. I have, when I've listened to the, the podcast or I've listened to the, it being read, I've sometimes backed up. You know, you back up 15 seconds. You, you, I need to hear that again. And um, you can listen to things more than once. There's times when we uh, will hear things and we need to stop and reflect. And to use that eating metaphor, we need to chew on it a bit. I, I don't know if you've ever watched a dog with a, something to, to chew they savor it. They work at it. And when you give it to them, they're so happy they get it and they go off someplace and they kind of work at that thing for a while. They chew on it. And to chew on Scripture means that we're going to need to work hard to get at the good bits, like a dog working on a bone. So we ask questions about stuff that we don't understand. We press deeper into the things that we do understand and that strike our hearts. I, I think about the, uh, the word, not just reflect, but the word ruminate. To ruminate means to think about things, to chew on it. And, uh, but it also is a word that we use for animals that chew the cud. Like a, like a cow is a ruminant. They chew the cud. They chew it. And so you always see cows, always chewing, always chewing. So that's something that we should be doing. The Christians are supposed to be kind of a, a ruminant on Scripture, always chewing, always chewing something. So reflecting on it and what it means for us. And so remember, small groups can be a great place for that to happen if you're connected with other people. Uh, the other thing that can help with this is Bible memorization to get that scripture in us so that it comes back out. But also this thing, like I said, to, to reflect and stop when something strikes us. I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, actually, where you've come across something and you go, wait, what did that just say? I, I've read this before, but... Wow, I never understood it quite in that way. You understand it in a surprising way. There's this, this flash of deeper understanding that you can have. Uh, maybe even you feel silly that you didn't understand it before. Um, I, I remember a particular day, I, was, I remember exactly where I was. I was driving in my car. Um, we, were, we lived in France for a long time, and I was driving in my car near from the, from the grocery store past the train station. I remember where I was. And I remember this particular time where I heard Ephesians 2.10, which is the, the verse that our kids are memorizing right now. Uh, but it's this, this verse that I read earlier, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I, I, somehow that hit me in a completely new way. I realized how special I am made by God, but then I'm also sent off. And it, it felt silly. Like, I have heard this verse before, but I, 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 I'm telling you, I remember the moment of where I was. And so there can be moments like that where something is a flash of inspiration. And what that tells us is that the Holy Spirit is working on us. When you, when you feel like you understand something, don't, don't, don't spend too much time thinking, oh, I should have understood this before. You can say, look, God's, God is working in me to understand his word in a deeper way. So that's why we should stop and, and discuss it and think more about that thing and share it with our friends. Because the scriptures are important. The scriptures are the primary way for us to know God and to know God's will. So when we, when we read, we should expect to understand more about what God is like, to, to, to understand more about what we're like, the good and the bad. Tim Keller was a brilliant thinker who passed away this last year, and uh, he, he summed up how we learn about God and ourselves in the Bible. He says this, We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe, yet more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. And 
It is, that's what we find when we look in the pages of Scripture. That's the kind of stuff we need to be meditating on. And it is in the person of Jesus that, that Scripture takes a deeper turn. Because Scripture says that Jesus was God's Word made human. God's Word became a person, Jesus Christ. And Christ is the greatest revelation of God there is. If, if you want to know what God is like, you need to look at Jesus. And just like the rest of God's word, we see that Christ demonstrating that we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. He calls people out in their sinfulness and yet more loved and accepted in him than we ever dared hope. We see that most clearly, I think, at the cross where Christ willingly gave his life in love for us for our sin. That he would be someone who would give for us. He, he showed that he needed to die for our sins, but he was willing to do it. We see a lot about ourselves, and we learn about what God is like in that, that we are people who need him, but he is willing to give himself. In fact, Jesus uses the imagery of himself in that way. He calls himself the bread of life. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I would give for the life of the world. So if we're going to have living faith, we need to bring Jesus into ourselves. The Lord's Supper is one way that we act that out. We enact with a physical gesture. I am bringing Christ's body into myself like the bread that I need. We're, we're getting God, God's word into us, deep inside of us. We're acting out that deep reality of what we need, that grace and life of God in us. All right. We need it in us. We need to chew it, understand it, all that stuff. All right. Well, what are we going to do? Once we understand, so we need to know what it says. We need to understand it. We, what are we going to do with it? We need to digest it. Because if Ezekiel is actually listening to God's words, and if they're really going into his heart, it has to show itself up in his life. Because that, that process of encountering God in his word, of understanding what he's saying, holding up the mirror of scripture so I see who I am in a real way, it's supposed to be transformational. It has to be transformational for us. Because the Bible, go ahead and put up this slide. The Bible is not meant to be informational, but transformational. It's not supposed to be informational, but transformational. It's supposed to transform our minds, to shape the way that we live our lives, uh, the way that we see God and the way that we see our relationship with how God, what that would look like. And there's supposed to be actual changes in our lives as we follow him. The way that we think, the way that we act in our daily life. And the way that the Apostle James, he says this, um, he says, we're supposed to be doers of the word rather than hearers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's supposed to be active. This is the digesting of the word. You get the word, and then it's supposed to turn itself out into doing. It's supposed to be action. Not to earn God's favor, but because that's what God's word does. So we can open ourselves wide to expose ourselves to Scripture and, and, and we can spend time then to chew on it, to understand it, to have these flashes of inspiration maybe. But it's possible to have those things and still never experience transformation, to never actually do the word, to just be people who, who know the word but not do it. There's, there's easy ways that we can avoid, we can kind of dodge the transformational aspect of Scripture. Uh, like I said, for me, you know, it's easy for me to make the Bible my work. It's a 
tasks to be checked off the list. It's super dangerous for pastors. If you are a rule follower also, you might feel like that. There's a certain duty for you to get into Scripture, and it just makes it work. Or, or maybe, maybe Scripture is just something interesting to examine. We, we look at it with kind of with gloves on and a lab coat and the glasses, and we say, oh, that's interesting stuff there. I don't want it to get splashed on me, though, right? Or, or maybe we can put it behind some glass, kind of like a beautiful museum exhibit. This is imp- an important part of Western civilization, a beautiful thing to be looked at from a distance, but kept over there. And if we, that's why we have to apply what it says, so that it doesn't, we don't remain distant from it, but it, it's meant to be in our world, our daily life, digesting God's words so they become a part of me. Because if the food that we eat ends up being the power for our daily living, what God's word is saying is that God's word is supposed to be then the power for our spiritual life, to actually live it. Author Eugene Peterson writes this, Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration to the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. That we are supposed to, this, this word that gets in us and it comes out of us. It gets, I love that. It gets metabolized into acts of love. So I, I'm praying actually that you and I, that we're going we're gonna to encourage each other in this way. This would be a wonderful encouragement for us as a church. That we'll be people who actually expect our lives to be changed by scripture. To, to have some positive peer pressure that we'll be people who are learning the Bible and using it in our lives and, and that it's a power for our daily lives and, and that we're more influenced by that than we are by our habitual patterns that we've had over years or whatever we grew up doing. Not just what our friends do, not just what our feelings push us toward, but that we're going to be submitting ourselves to God's word and saying, God, what do you say? That's what I want to do. That God's word would be our compass and our direction and our guide in life. Well, For Ezekiel, the idea was that he would be somebody who would speak God's words. And for us as well, part of living in it is for us to speak God's words as well. So we're learning to share what we we learn. And I have a funny little challenge for the adults today. If you have kids in your life, if you have grandkids, if you brought kids with you today, uh, one of the things it says is that he he unrolls the scroll and he says, you need to eat this, and and it's supposed to be sweet in your mouth. Well, oftentimes we have the kids, they're supposed to tell you what they learned in Sunday school, right? Today, your challenge is you're supposed to tell your kids or grandkids or uh, the kids that you look after, you're supposed to tell them what you learned in church today. So what we have on the way out, if you brought kids or you have kids around, we have a bunch of fruit by the foot, okay? It unrolls like a scroll, okay? And what you're going to do is you're going to take that fruit by the foot and you're going to be able to offer that to your kids, You're going to say, we have fruit by the foot. You know why? Because you're supposed to take that scroll and eat it, and it's sweet in your mouth. Okay, so you get to share something with your kids. Try it. I'm curious to hear how it goes. Okay. All right, so what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take it in. We're supposed to know what God's Word says. We're supposed to then chew on it. We're supposed to understand what it says. And we're supposed to digest it. We're supposed to then apply what it means for me today. We apply it to our daily life. So let's have a next step. 
Here's our next step for everybody. This week, I would like for you to memorize a book, uh, a book, a verse of the Bible. You know what? Today only, I'm going to reduce it from one book to one verse. Get in on this special now. Everybody who comes in tomorrow has to memorize a book. Okay. So, memorize a verse of the Bible. And, you know, I'm going to recommend, why don't you memorize Ephesians 2.10? It's the one that I read in the top of the hour. It's the one that the kids are memorizing this week. The one that I read was in the NIV. The kids are learning it in a different version in the RV. You can memorize it in whatever version you want. Let's get that word in us. Let's get it in us. And if you're doing it with a kid, if you're doing it by yourself, I would like for you to learn that. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which he prepared, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're eating God's word, savoring it, having it come out in our life. And it's not going to make things easier. It's going to make it harder. It made it harder for Ezekiel. You may have hard things. But I will tell you, you will be satisfied. You're going to be satisfied to have God's word in you. You're going to have faith that isn't just built on your circumstances. It's not just built on your emotions. It's going to be built on the timeless word of God, which doesn't fail. Let's pray. Lord, we we ask you to to shape us by your word. Thank you for this kind of weirdo, Ezekiel. Uh, But we see that you are willing to speak in a way that he can understand. So whether we are hard-hearted people, whether we are people who are driven, we love images, you are a God who knows how to speak to our hearts. So we pray, Lord, that we will see what you are trying to do for us, that we can be people who, who eat your word and metabolize it so it comes out in acts of love to other people, that we're transformed by it. And we pray that, that we will be part of the transformation of our society here, that we'll be people who are living into God's life and inviting more people to love and serve and give themselves to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.